0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, have your co-host, Brian. And joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. And I am honestly not sure where our other co-host is. Last week, it was a medical emergency. Not sure what's going on this week. Uh, but, folks, we have a game... Uh, we have a developer this week. We have a guest. I'm I'm out of it. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Uh, we have a guest this week, my friends. That's
1: what you love to hear. Your interviewer uh, just is completely, uh, oh completely. My god.
0: I know. I'm already, The
1: guest is useless. The host is useless. One fork- of the guys isn't there. We're gonna rock it tonight. I'm
0: already forking up. I'm already
2: forking up. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, to you by enough caffeine. Oh my god,
0: really, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, the director of holistic design, Andrew. Green. Greenberg. Welcome, Andrew.
1: Thank you very much. Really happy to be here, and off to space we go.
0: Oh, I'm excited to talk to you because, uh, folks, if you're not aware, um, we're, we're going to talk about a newer game tonight, mostly, called Noble Armada Lost Worlds, but the, the Fading Suns universe is a far longer history than just this one game, and I want to talk about all of it. Because it's not one-
1: no, sorry. Contract says just this game.
0: God damn it! Fine. <laughs> no, it's 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 up there with one of my. It's up there as one of my favorite role playing uh, universes. This and this and Heavy Gear are my favorites, to be honest. Um, nice. Yeah, I love them. You like
1: crappy worlds. I mean, worlds where everything <laughs> is gone kind of to crap.
0: Sorry. It, it 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 it's just it's not just crap. It's really fleshed out crap. Really yeah. well fleshed out. So, but this is not the first computer game in the Fading Suns universe, uh, so I want to go back. Let's talk about what Fading Suns is before we really get started. Uh, How would you, in in maybe uh, like an elevator pitch, how would you describe the Fading Suns universe?
1: Fading Suns is a dark ages in space uh, (laughs) where humanity reached the stars, created the perfect society, and is this 18 and up? (laughs) And Uh, fucked it all up. I don't know anymore. (laughs) And you are left to play around in the ruins. You can either build it up, build humanity back up or tear it back down again. So, yeah, that's the elevator pitch. So we've got the feuding noble houses, dueling with rapiers at their grand balls and with their uh, galleots in the depths of space. You have uh, the uh, Universal Church crushing everyone under its booted heel, but split by schism and racked by heresy. You have the merchants hoarding the last of technology for themselves. You have bizarre a- uh, aliens, freakish mutants and psychics, and out there in the depths of space, the suns are seen to fade, and there are things that want to eat your soul. So, you know, happy, happy joy, joy.
0: It's, very, uh, it's, very lo- it's a very uh, ha- uh, positive... Uh, happy version of the universe, which is what we really all need right now. We're really. positive
1: you'll die painfully.
2: <laughs> Almost utopian, you could say. So, <laughs> in the classical definition of the term utopian. So it started you as realize, a... Hi, Jim. Them,
3: like, they'll sell you Suns pre-faded. Ladies you know. and gentlemen, oh, your co-host, Jim. Were, uh, they, the pre-faded sons were big in the 80s. <laughs>
2: Uh, uh.
0: so this started off as a pen and paper role-playing game when did that start off remind me like it was a while ago
1: right so uh we formed holistic design in 95 i had been the original developer of a tabletop role-playing game called vampire the masquerade and i hooked up with the guys at uh several dudes holistic gaming they'd done some very neat computer games pc games. Uh, Battles of Destiny had been one. They'd just gotten a game of the year for uh, Merchant Prince, which we released yeah. as Merchant Machiavelli Prince. the Prince.
0: Merchant, P- Machiavelli the Prince. Holy crap.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Thank you. So we teamed up forces. Um, they're working on Hammer the Gods at that point with uh, New World. We worked on that together. Uh, Bill Bridges uh, also left White Wolf. He was the original werewolf developer. Dear so Lord. we started doing the science fiction universe we'd always wanted to do. So again, we have all of these elements of science fiction that we love, that we absolutely adore. And we weren't really seeing well represented in the science fiction at the time. And there's science fiction games we loved at that point, but uh, we, the, the depth of the science fiction canon is just so massive. There's so much good stuff out there. And we really wanted a setting that encapsulated the best of it. So we have... The Fading Suns universe where you can do everything from have these far flung space opera adventures to do this post apocalyptic rebuild from the ground up sort of uh, uh, setting to massive political battles to cyberpunk to everything. And uh, that's kind of been one of the issues with it. There is a, a few too many kitchen sinks in there, but really it's what we loved about it. And we most of the folks who play it, that's what they like as well. They can really make it the game and the universe they want. So we started with the tabletop RPG, but we had the first computer game underway at the same time. We started off with Microprose as our publisher on that. Uh, Some of you might remember that company. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I miss it every day.
0: Every day I miss Microprose.
1: Well, unfortunately, while we were under contract or while we were working on the contract with them, they got bought by Spectrum Holobite and a lot of uh, external stuff just disappeared, including us. So we had to go find another publisher. We found uh, a new home with Sega Soft. Sega had just formed a group to get into the PC market. So we worked with them and we were one of their few PC releases and apparently one of their two most successful before Sega closed that shop up to focus on console.
0: What was the other one? Rocket Jockey?
1: No, there was. It was another pretty cool game, and I've actually got to look back and and I got to actually go to the, ask the Googles next door. Hold on a second, Mega <laughs> Soft good games. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <little bit> <laughs> I have to admit, um, I remember the advertising for Emperor of the Fading Suns oh as being God, very we have an official freaking
1: apology from them, very confusing.
0: <laughs> like it was a kitten and a duck.
1: Or something? Yeah, we got an official apology. Really? From them for that one, yeah. Oh, exactly. good,
0: because that was terrible. That was just. But I think
1: Space Bar was the other one that sold. Oh well
0: for wow! Them. That oh, Spider Robinson Space Bar.
1: Yeah, oh. Yeah, Gretzky, yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, we and uh, we were their bestseller, and then I think Space Bar bumped us off for a little bit, and then they closed up shop.
0: Yeah, they didn't so. not, they were not long for this world. so. No.
1: No, they were not. They did a number of really uh games, Uh which and, uh,
0: which sucked for Emperor of the Fading Suns because it did. Did you ever consider it finished? Because it was still fairly buggy when SegaSoft uh, shut down. The big
1: thing that we I don't think has ever hit the point that we want to. I mean, we had to finally launch. That's always the issue, and uh uh-huh. the whole church aspect of it. We got a little bit in but not everything we wanted to uh so yeah a lot more there should have been a lot more interaction with the church and the aliens of course we could have done so much more with but it was the church that never hit its its high point now the game itself i love i oh, love yeah. playing it i oh, love working There's... on it loved every aspect and most 20... importantly i love the mods that came out i love I, I... the uh ugc for that
0: Yeah, I was doing some PBEM with uh, mods uh, with that just a couple of years ago, and it was so fun. And even 22 years later, there's still really not another game like it
1: to this day. Yeah, I hope we didn't kill the genre, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I just love these uh, these glow these galaxy spanning games where you can do so many things. I mean, the potential is limitless, and that's part of the problem. We had to keep reining ourselves in. Uh, SegaSoft wanted more and more things, and we were ch- every time we started expanding. It's like, no, no, pull it back. We'll never get this done.
0: Wow, uh, so. but it, it does so many things that even modern games don't do. It has religion. And even if you say it's not as complete as you would have liked, it's still more than a lot of games do. It's got um, a lot of games don't have space and ground stuff and planetary bombardment, and and, and that, that's all, amazing. And the
1: tech research and the factories, yeah, and the and,
0: and, the, and the houses and everything. Right. Yeah, it's just there's so many layers to it that that it that. And maybe that's one of the reasons it hasn't really been emulated is because there is, it's, it's like an onion. There's just so much, you know, to it. And, that's um,
1: exactly right. Us trying to put in everything we loved about science fiction. And, and
0: uh, you really did succeed because it has, I mean, it's got the politics. The diplomacy system in that game is really still one of the finest you will find in thank you. any for. It's just so nuanced. Like, I think the only game that maybe's come close since then, as in far of Space 4Xs, maybe, is Star Ruler 2, which is just from a couple we of know, years the,
3: ago. The people who could do it would be uh, harebrained, formerly FASA, because they could do, uh, like, because they have their own great houses sort of thing in the whole Battletech mm. universe. Sure. Um, and, of course, land combat, right? So... If if you could do like in, instead of the armies that were in Fading Suns, they could say, "Well, it's battle mech regiments." Was there whatever. ever anything? You could still drop to a hex map per planet and kind of do. Was but I any... don't think that'll ever emerge.
1: I'm a big fan of hairbrand. I'd love to see them get into the more political side of those games.
3: Was though? Was there
0: a, ever a space component to the BattleTech universe? In oh terms yes!
1: Of... Oh
2: yeah! Yes, exactly. very huge. Really? Yeah, uh, okay. Not only did they have the the aerospace. Uh, which is space fighters primarily. Uh, They also had battle space, which is warships. And then on top of that, you had the the board game, which was Succession Wars. And you're not dealing with just individual companies. You're dealing with regiment-sized units. You're moving around the map. And the map is the entire inner sphere.
3: Yeah, and basically they would need to just make Succession Wars as a computer game. But I don't know that the audience is there at the scale that they would need it to be to fund a project like that. So, And a, I mean, and like, a big I part of the
1: issue that. for this, we talk about content for these sorts of games, and we used to call games like AFS the chiclet games. You've got the little chiclets moving around on the board, and uh, you really can't get away with that look anymore. And so you've got to build all this unit art up. Yeah, and art gets super expensive. Good art, yeah, absolutely. But I would certainly love to see more games like that come out. I just love those all-encompassing games. These are the games that have that great dawn is coming moment when you started playing at four in the afternoon.
3: Yeah, even like the the Dune universe, right? Like nothing much has been done with that since Westwood touched it last, and you know it's it's also another Great Houses po- political grand theater thing in space, which it just remains untapped. So,
2: uh, it might be licensing issues too.
3: I'm um, I'm sure there's some stuff with the Herbert family or whatever. So,
1: yeah, we'd certainly love to see more of that kind of fun. So Yeah, there's a lot of folks who'll compare some of the FS stuff to uh, Dune, but and we had a number of good people, myself and Bill Bridges were the two main creators on it. We had other good people involved. But for me, certainly, um, the Asimov Foundation series was always what really fascinated oh, me in the most in setting. Uh yes. just that idea of the star spanning rise and collapse of civilization and the people who would be involved in that. Uh yeah, just always adored that.
0: So, a so, uh, couple things. First, we have a question from uh, the audience over on YouTube. Craig would like to know if there's any chance of Emperor of the Fading Suns ever getting on good old games, or GOG.
1: Uh, we are actually uh, in discussions with GOG right now about <gasps> one of our games that's already up there, uh, Warhammer 40k Final Liberation. That's not there yes. for several years, and we're still yes. waiting on royalty from that one so uh we would like to do more with GOG uh but uh we're trying to at least get this first one hammered out and it's been a while taking f- care of it so I mean I love the games I play on GOG I've given them far more money oh my god <laughs> than they'll probably have to give me
0: I have hundreds of games on there so- I, I, I so many games uh, I didn't I forgot Final so- Liberation was your baby I forgot about that. Yeah,
3: Yeah, so how how did that work out? It's it's on GOG, they're selling it, but the rights are still hazy? or what? It's like you're still trying to iron that out?
1: I believe I found out how they got the rights. So when we did the game, it was a three-group collaboration. Obviously, Games Workshop owned the rights and worked very closely with them on that. SSI was the publisher and licensed the rights. And we did the game. They licensed a lot of our engine, though we modified it significantly. So they had a license to use our engine. And of course, we were supposed to get royalties on any versions of it that ever were done. Uh, So we were getting royalties from SSI. SSI got sold and sold again and sold again, and the parts were scattered. I mean, it was sold to Mattel at one point, and then it really got confusing to track down. Uh, And uh, so then suddenly I find that uh, GOG's talking about doing the game, and we still have the license to the engine. They're not supposed to be able to do anything without our approval, or at least giving us royalties on it. So reach out to them. and It's been a while working through the details with them. So, but hopefully it's finally getting resolved. I, uh, we were getting things resolved and then I got to the point of shipping uh, noble Armada. So that's stopped on my part for a bit. Now I'm waiting for things from them.
0: Now, this is not um, the first noble Armada game. There was supposed to be another noble Armada game.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, and therein lays a, a tail.
0: I want to like hear this tail. tale because I played that demo God what was it? was it the early two thousands or the late nineties?
3: Ninety nine. Ninety nine? Yes.
0: Yep. Same thing. Yep. Yep. It's still um, online. You can still
1: get it online. I still love it.
0: But it was still supposed it. to be yeah, this I- it was supposed to be this kind of open universe uh thing. So what happened with that noble armada game?
1: All right. Oh my goodness. So uh late nineties, we've done very well with our most recent games, uh, Final Liberation had done well. uh Emperor phoenix Sons had done well for SegaSoft before SegaSoft shut down. Uh and so we had a good track record of solid games and uh, and solid sellers. We weren't AAA by any means, but we were full solid single A. Our games could sell 100,000 units and everyone would make money. Uh and then Panasonic Decided that they were going to get into the piece, they wanted to get into the games industry. They were wait a I mean, minute. Sony's competitor for Panasonic. Yes.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Panasonic.
1: Panasonic. Yes. Yeah, CDI, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they were involved with the, the deal that, uh, that ended up with Sony uh, getting really pissed off at Nintendo because Nintendo had made a deal with them initially to develop for uh, a CD drive uh, game system.
3: And we got and that then, fabulous Legend of Zelda game. Out of yeah, and
2: then it, and then they uh, Nintendo rented it down the deal, and then Sony decided, okay, well, we're going to get it in the market ourselves. So yeah. there, that Google, was all Google, of
3: that. Google up Zelda on the on the I, CDI. I didn't even it know that. Okay. I didn't <laughs> even know that, that happened. Was, it's, that it's a meme that wrote itself. Man.
0: I remember um, the CDI. It didn't last long. It wasn't long for this world. But uh... yeah, th-
3: this is this is like Ralph Bakshi on crack. Did a Zelda
2: game <laughs> what
3: with bad acting,
2: including the yeah. line "I'm so hungry I could eat rock
3: <laughs> Yeah, do you do you remember in- before the Lord of line. the Rings movies, there was the animated Ralph Bakshi one Sure, yeah, of course. and stuff. Okay, so take that, turn it into really poorly poorly drawn Zelda at like 240p, and and then right. the worst acting that you could possibly put in a studio, and oh. that's. Philip Magnavox's version of Zelda. Wow! Oh, and the gameplay itself is actually infuriating. If you survive the cutscenes you <laughs> get that far. So
0: anyway, so no, no lie. So Andrew, you were going to work. So Panasonic wanted a piece yep. of you guys.
1: So Panasonic Interactive Media starts up.
0: Whoa! We okay. a great
1: meeting. Panasonic is pledging their resources. They're coming with both feet. Oh dear! They're going to be a major player in this space. This this already Uh, sounds
0: bad. This already
1: sounds bad. uh, And uh, so it starts off. We're working with another group. Finally, we take over the whole project. It's a wonderful seven-figure deal. It's a promise of all kinds of support, as well as retail channels, when it's done. And so we get cranking on it, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, And then Panasonic says, ah, just kidding! And I think they were in for, like, two years in the PC World before they pulled out of that and released nothing on the PC that anybody really remembers. They did a game called Baldies, and again, not seeing the numbers they were in any way expecting. And so, Panasonic Interactive Media suddenly calls up and says, "Hey, we're shutting down." What? Uh, Yeah, and uh, go ahead and find another. You can go ahead and find another publisher. We give you back your rights and all that. So lovely. So we spend some time talking to companies and scrambling. Our producer on that game, really good guy, Grant Collier, is going off with another company that's forming out of some other Panasonic folks called Ripcord Games. And we want to keep working with Grant. And so uh, we decide to go on board with this startup, Ripcord Games. And they've got a number of games out of the uh, Panasonic Interactive Media catalog. And then we learned why Panasonic Interactive Media really wanted to shut down because the next game that uh, Ripcord releases is called Space Bunnies Must Die. I
0: remember that game.
1: You're the one. Uh, And they released some nice little games, Spec Ops, Stratosphere, but nothing that sells and things slow down at Ripcord dramatically.
0: They did release that one space game called Forced Alliance. That was terrible. Yep. (laughs) It was really terrible.
1: I like all the people who worked on their games.
0: It sounded so (laughs) promising, but it ended up being so bad. Anyway.
1: (laughs) It it makes me sad. You can imagine. And they basically shut down in 99. Which, as you know, is the point we're ready with a demo. Oh. So we put out the demo still working with them, but uh, they pretty much shut up shop. And we're now looking for another publisher. So we've already gone through two publishers on this uh and uh yeah yeah ripcord essentially started in panasonic interactive media before they shut down they took ripcord private um sorry i was responding to chat messages should never do that and uh so we're left without a publisher for a while and we're we're talking to other publishers about taking i mean there's a good amount of development already funded in this and then uh the first uh bush recession kicks in in the early 2000s and everything uh, shuts down. And for some of this, we have to take full blame for it because we were used to being a single A house. We were having no luck finding outside investors when things dry up. Uh, and we're having to scale up dramatically and suddenly the resources are gone from it. So uh unfortunately, Noble Amada, which is requiring a huge budget, has to go on hiatus. We work with uh, Take Two, on a couple games and those do pretty well for us we do a new version of uh, merchant prince merchant prince 2 done on what i thought was the smallest budget i was ever going to work on and then we do multi-coon on what was the smallest budget i'd ever worked on but both of those did decently but not enough to get us refunding noble armada and at that point uh, it was just getting so hard to find new publishers and the like we went ahead and started uh working on other projects, consulting, licensing our stuff off, all that sort of thing. And so Noble Armada went on hiatus for a while, uh, uh, for a long while. <laughs> and uh, then we came back in when uh, mobile started up. We say, hey, look, we can do something nice and sweet. We can do a game that instead of being what we wanted with the Noble Armada, Fading Suns Noble Armada game, which was this galactic, spanning, RPG, tactical, and uh, and strategic game. Uh, with a lot of uh, trading and diplomacy and quests, mixing, again, all of our favorite elements, we would just do one that focused on the space comet itself, we could afford, and we knew we could finish without a publisher. And that's what this Noble Armada is. If you play the demo that you can still get online, you'll see a much more robust game than we've just released. So uh, right. it's been a great journey, but... Uh, we didn't. We'd still like to do that original Noble Armada. I mean, there's just so much fun stuff in that that we had planned. So many great quests. So much exploration of the Fading Sun setting
0: oh, that yeah. we really
1: can't do on a project of this size.
0: And that's so a universe about, that begs to be explored. Begs.
1: I like to think so. Yes. We're still exploring it. <laughs>
0: and
1: as you might have heard, yes, there is a uh, fourth edition of the rule of the role playing game in the works right now. Bill Bridges is leading the charge on that due To come God. out next
0: year. Where can I pre-order the? Are there going to be? <laughs> are there going to be physical books? Are they going? Yes. Oh, oh, thank yes. God. Okay, because I I prefer that over PDFs. So I'm old school, I guess, like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm where can dream. I pre-order? Is there going to be a Kickstarter? I want in on this. I want. Everything. I believe there will
1: be a Kickstarter. We the rights are now with Ulysses Spiel for that. Ulysses Spiel just finished up the Torg Kickstarter. He's doing a lot of work on that. So once they get the Torg stuff shipped. I think we're going to have our stuff going. Though the writing, I've been cranking on writing for Bill already, and I think that the writing for the main edition is already done, but uh, you didn't hear that from me. Didn't hear what? Torg is a name I have not heard in a long, long time. Oh, I loved Torg. I never wrote for that. I wish I had my brother wrote a little bit for it. Torg, the... uh, Oh, what did it stand for? The... Oh, goodness. Torg is an abbreviation. I can't believe I can't remember what it stands for.
3: I just... I've always just had the concept of cyber Pope stuck in my head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what they did is they divided the world into a whole bunch of different, um, gaming systems essentially. And, uh, so the, uh, what the, uh, U S had become, uh, kind of a fantasy lizard man setting. And you had, uh, the kind of a cyberpunk Europe and, uh, Pope, uh, Egypt or something like that. It's kind of a
3: Rifts-esque thing, but before Rifts. Um,
1: I think they're kind of...
3: It was before Kevin did Rifts, right?
1: Uh, they were pretty close to the same time. But I think you're right. Um, wow, why am I am not seeing what the dev... Torg stands... The other role-playing game! Yeah, right. Wait! Torg stood for the other role-playing game. <laughs>
3: Well, that's a Steve
1: Jackson-esque name, isn't it? <laughs> and this is West End. I mean, this was Clavis uh, Jackson. Really.
3: It's Torg, the, tor- the alternative to GURPS. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: That's, wow, that's great. The other role play.
1: <laughs> I had a lot of very innovative designs, and I really enjoyed it. But uh, it uh, it could have done better. I, I've always agreed with folks who said their biggest mistake is they made uh, the United States their biggest audience, their least interesting setting. But uh lots of cool stuff, anyway, that's coming out from Lizzie Spiel, and we're working with them as well, so uh yeah, I'm very excited about what's coming together and the writing that I've seen from Bill already uh is a lot of good, interesting stuff really getting me all jazzed up about this setting all over again
0: uh i'm I'm so excited because i i've I've run two campaigns in fading suns,
1: and, oh excellent,
0: and they were some of the most fun role playing I've ever done.
1: Your players uh, still talk to
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the second one, it was a little rough because <laughs> I kind of went psychotic near the end, and that's such an easy game to like. If you're an yeah. angry, G- if you're an angry GM, <laughs> you know, and and you don't like what the players are doing, there are so many tools in that game to really mess them up. And oh, yes. and and I I used if I I don't. Re- yeah, I used a lot of them, and they were not happy with the way that game ended, <laughs> but I was. <laughs> I was. Yeah, we definitely I was meant very... for the
1: power scales to have this extreme differential. So, I mean, just with what we did with the, with the whole IP, the idea was that the uh, computer game was this emperor war period. You were the leaders of housing. You had massive power at your control, and as soon as the computer game stopped, the role-playing game started, and suddenly you're one person in this setting, dealing with what's this, the remnants after these decade-long emperor wars. But even at that point, you might be one human, but you're a lot more powerful than your average serf. I mean, you are as a superhero compared to them. But the people at the top level, I mean, it's uh, incremental scales again, they're as superheroes compared to you being an ant. So they have powers that can be brought to bear that you can only dream of. So, yeah. The idea of each of the games was they were going to shed a a different light on the setting. We were going to look at it through a different angle. So, again, the computer game is this galaxy-spanning adventure where you're really having to look at it from the complete macro level. The RPG is the uh, micro level. And Noble Armada was kind of that intermediate where you are a ship captain, so more powerful, but you're still just one guy, you know. Just this guy, you know. <laughs> He's just this guy, you know? Uh, hey, if you're going to talk about ship captains, talk about the best.
0: <laughs> so, how did, so now moving on to uh, Noble Armada uh, Lost Worlds, right? Noble Armada yes,
1: Lost? Okay. Exactly. The main focus is on exploring the Lost Worlds. Humanity reached the stars via jump gates during the fall of the Second Republic. A lot of these jump gates either shut off on their own or were shut off by the people who lived behind them, not wanting to be caught up in everyone else's mess. And only now are a lot of those being reopened and humanity starting to reconnect and seeing what's been left in the ruins of thousands of years of uh, isolation. People get a little weird when they've been isolated for a few thousand years.
0: Oh, that, that explains a lot. So this game is... Um, is, it, is, it full is it like full Newtonian physics?
1: It is very close. It's as close as we could model. So we're good friends with the uh, folks doing... Um, uh, good gosh. They're changing the name right now. So I'm caught in the in between names. Uh Maia, David Westman's group. Um, oh, Impeller.
0: Oh, yeah. Impeller, yeah. Um,
1: Sorry, they're changing the name. So I'm not sure what I'm supposed to call it right now.
0: Oh, yeah. None of us are sure what they're... It's supposed to be... It was Starfighter, <laughs> Inc. It was Starfighter, no, Inc. Let's just
1: go with Starfighter, Inc. I think it's still... Probably that. But anyway, they're, they're even more hardcore on it than we are. Now, we are focusing on the idea that uh, you need to uh, that you don't really have much friction in space. You, there's no turning on a dime. So instead, you've only got thrusters from the rear of your ship. If you are flying forward at massive speeds, at 10% life speed, you've got to use your maneuver jets to spin around and then counter thrust to stop. And if you're not directly counter thrusting, you can maneuver it around in order to re angle your approach. And it's what I love most about the PC game, but it does take a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, it takes some playing to get used to. Because you're not just I'm flying forward now. I want to fly right. It doesn't work that way. You're re-angling your ships. Only your batteries only have a certain amount of uh, charge. Alaris is giving away cheats in Discord. Alaris, stop that! And
0: uh, <laughs> oh, real? Oh, I. Oh, uh, one of
1: our play testers is uh, having been having fun breaking the game in many ways. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, So, yeah, the idea is that uh, you really have to think about where you want to end up in your moving and maneuver very carefully. And uh, it is a real-time combat game, but it's not your standard RTS. I call it pausable real-time. Essentially, you create your own turns. You let the game go. People are shooting and blasting. You pause. You put in new orders. You let it go. You see what happens. You pause. You do what you need to do. So, it's up so to what, you to decide. what
3: key pauses? I was trying the space bar and that wasn't doing it.
1: Selecting so. any ships uh, will pause and uh, late in play uh, I think we added escape to do that.
3: Okay, so it, uh, if you're not using the space bar for anything strong suggestion. Yeah, okay.
1: Alright, thank you.
2: Yeah, Agreed. and uh, writing it down and, It's a default uh, for uh, tactical pause in many, many games. Yes, but, I, but what if you want your spaceship to jump? Oh, never mind.
3: Um, yeah that and uh arrow keys moving the map around
1: i wrote i wrote down space game equals pause i meant spacebar equals pause (laughs) but again (laughs) i mean this is 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 it sort of of, out of a turn-based uh background i want turns but i want real time so here's how i do it sorry to cut you off so much
3: oh well is it is it going to be turn-based anyway? Like, it'll real-time until it gets to a certain timer, and then it oh, pauses no. regardless, or just real time for Until bones and smithereens. Yeah, which which happens a lot. I've been struggling <laughs> mightily, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, and uh, Alaris is the one who keeps trying to ask us to increase the difficulty, so uh, he's in your Discord stream chat. No, please do you not. Please do not the
0: increase the difficulty, because... <laughs> it, it,
1: I, no, I need to... I need to
3: ship with training wheels and...
0: I won you know, my first battle by blind fucking luck. I have no <laughs> idea how I won, but apparently I did. Because uh, I'm going to be honest, I like the game, but like, there's a lot that isn't explained to the player. And,
1: and you it, went through the tutorial? Because that's part of my problem, doing that tutorial. The tutorial is not
0: times. very comprehensive. Like I didn't know that ships that turned grey they seem inactive. Like I won because all the ships turned grey. Like, oh, that's what happens. Um so I guess I may I guess I disabled them, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what happened. That so that's great
1: to know. That's I, great was, feedback.
0: I was still shooting at disabled ships. I did not know they were disabled because they were gray. I only figured that after I'd shot at them, like oh
1: I guess they're Well, and part of the reason we have you able to shoot at uh, the grayed out ships and This is a back and forth is, argument. Is to weed down the
0: crews so you can board them?
1: No, when they're grayed out, they're down. They they can't do anything. But you can target other ships beyond that. You have a your computers only have a limited range, so you can only target out to a certain distance. Remember, we're right. basically pretending that uh, the massive distances of space combat are these really short areas. They're not. We're talking about huge distances. So your computers only have so much range. But what you can do if there's a ship beyond is you can target one of the great out ships and your shots will go through it and hopefully hit the ships beyond it.
0: Oh,
1: one of Alaris's favorite cheats.
0: Again, the tutorial didn't explain any of that. Uh, So (laughs) I would say the tutorial needs some work because that's good to know.
1: uh, Folks, we basically did a soft launch of the game now. Right. And, uh, the idea is to go ahead and add a lot more content and do Get the more feed, robust launch early. It, are, it
0: already has a good amount of content. You already have a campaign in there. You have several single missions and there's already, um, there's already a, an editor, right? There's already an editor. Yeah, the right? mission
1: editor is what I love the most. I mean, you can do anything with it. I mean, if you don't want to play Noble Armada, start doing them for any other science fiction setting you love. I have been joking about Zephod Beeblebrox in this, uh, Really, and this dream, but I really want to do a Hitchhiker's Guide uh, fight oh. in there. I've been playing around with it on some of my my private games, trying to do the voices. Yes, yeah, sir, I'm such a Hitchhiker's Guide junkie. I heard the radio show when it was on the radio back in the uh, way back anyway,
0: I have the book of, of radio. The, I have the book of the radio. Players, yeah, what's the radio?
3: So it's I, like MP3s, I but you don't know. get to choose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Side question, what did you think of the movie from about a decade ago with um martin Freeman and, and,
1: it was a good try
0: uh, I admit it was a yeah, I agree it was a decent attempt
1: <laughs>
0: yeah I was not as good as mini series, but I still as good enjoyed it. I was I recently
1: I, broke I mean, out the the Stephen Fry version of it, and i still i just grew up on the radio show version of it, and i that's the standard in my mind mm-hmm.
0: I, I have to can't admit, argue with that. I have to admit for that last movie though, Most Deaf did I was surprised at how well he did Ford Prefect.
1: I was It I was, could have been I was I was not disappointed. I was ready to just be horrified.
0: Yeah, I was too. It, the the horrifying thing was Sam Rockwell as uh as Zaphod. He was he's a great actor. Great actor, but in that particular role it I was thought their
3: choice of, of uh making him two headed by Having his head like pop out of different places. Oh
0: God, that was odd. so so stupid. So yeah, if
3: they'd have just had his other head like in his pants the whole time, and he oh. just like unzipped his fly to talk, I don't. I don't know. It just no. It wasn't my movie.
0: But yeah, I th- I think I'm I'm gonna be honest. This the tutorial is. Uh, I feel like it's of a different era. It's of an era where gamers had more pa- like it's kind of of the '90s where gamers had more patience. Uh, you really
3: got a thick manual.
0: Gamers do not have patience in 2018. <laughs>
3: That's I need, a great point. I need a, I need a spiral bound about yes. two inch oh. manual.
0: Is there a manual <laughs> for this thing yet? Right. I have not seen a manual anywhere. There it's,
1: is, actually, if you go into the game, it's not a manual per se, but if you go to the credit screen, we have the Commander's Codex, which really? spells out some of this.
0: Oh, you guys um, need a PDF manual that I can yeah. put on my phone and read while I'm on the toilet. So I mean, you're
1: actually hitting some of the most important uh, issues that we have. So yes, I am that old school nineties gamer. I either need a huge manual or I'm going to figure it out. If it kills me all by myself. And unfortunately I've kind of set up as a combination of both.
3: Yeah. So the other so, thing that I noticed is uh, you have, you can turn the music on and off, but you don't yep. have a slider to change the level of the music. Cause I liked it to be on, but I like it to just kind of be barely there. And Uh, Also, I can't seem to figure out how to get it to run windowed mode. If there's maybe a flag I can put on it, but there's no option to actually change any resolution stuff. Is it just locked at 1080?
1: No, there's windowed mode. It's a hot key. And uh, I would have to pull up the game, which I should have pulled up anyway. Uh.
3: So there, there's no there's no binding to the keys
1: right It's like uh, no we did know, this yeah. game in a, with an engine called uh fusion 2.5 and a lot of what we did was pushing that engine forward working with the company mm-hmm. that made it to develop their engine further because i love it as a 2d engine and it's an engine i think is fleshed out would add a whole lot to what game developers could do mm-hmm. so, to be honest, a, a huge chunk of our involvement with this was driving their engine forward as well.
0: Oh, okay. So, a couple of things. First, you mentioned the music. Um, I want to yeah. backtrack a little bit. Folks, if you haven't played Emperor of the Fading Suns, go find the music on YouTube or whatever. The music is one of personally my favorite game soundtracks of all time. Thank like, you. Like that, uh, Interstate 76, and Fantasy General are like the top three yeah.
1: for me man that's great company
0: yeah yeah those are like the top three for me and so when i loaded this game up the new one oh yeah craig says that the intro video for emperor of the Fang Suns is still one of the best agreed that was an amazing intro video it really got you into the um into the mood into the zone of that game um, but yeah, that's I-
1: an interesting SegaSoft story, actually. So okay. we've been working with SegaSoft. They'd released games that weren't doing well. They were really down on what was going on. Their sales people were really getting burned out. They had a sales meeting with a bunch of buyers. This is back in the days. People might, might not believe this, but you used to buy your games in boxes at stores. You don't, they don't say. You the they don't believe you. Gosh, Grandpa,
0: um, tell me another
1: yard. <laughs> <laughs> but they had a meeting with the uh, poor old Grandpa. It just ain't right in the head, anyway. <laughs> uh, had a meeting with the buyers and they played our uh intro. And apparently, all the buyers stood up and applauded because it was the first thing they were seeing from SegaSoft they liked. And uh, so yeah, I've definitely enjoyed that. I mean, it said, Boy, does it show its age! We were so psyched that we were able to do 3D graphics.
0: Oh man, uh, it, it reminds yeah. me of the have you ever seen the um, the uh, the um, the cutscenes for Star Crusader? It's got no. that. Oh, well, they're they're very similar in that kind of lawnmower man, <laughs>
1: <look>. <laughs> you know, that look. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, I do.
0: Yeah, but that that intro was great. But what I was gonna say is the music. When I loaded up the new game and it was playing that 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 kind of main menu music from the original, I got chills, man. So how did the how'd you get the that classic EFS music into the new game.
1: Yeah, so the Changeling. so we worked with some really good musicians on the first EFS. Uh, had a lot of fun working with them. One of the groups we worked with was a band called the Changelings. They're not together anymore, I'm sad to say, but we'd gotten an agreement with them uh, to use a number of tracks from an upcoming album back when we were doing the uh, Noble Armada uh, game with Panasonic and Ripcord and we paid them for it. They managed to release a new album based on what we paid them for that. Uh, but then of course we didn't release the game. The music was sitting around. So as we started doing the new No model, I reached back out to them, mm-hmm. signed a new deal with them so that we could use this uh, music one more time. So yeah, this was the music we were supposed to use in the original No model. If we ever do, wow. do the original noble model, we'll use it again. But, uh, changeling's wonderful band, uh, their violinist is still a, a very dear friend of mine uh, and just very talented. Uh, and it's very funny. that the, the violinist, I actually met him when he was a, a play tester for us on Vampire in the very earliest days of oh, uh, that wow. game back in uh, 90 and 91. So, yeah, we're both amazed that we still know each other, still like each other and still alive.
0: That is pretty goddamn awesome. Now, going back to the new game also, uh, you mentioned the editor is one of uh, your favorite parts. Tell us about the editor, because ne- I haven't played with it yet. So what can you do with it?
1: Right. So we funded the game itself internally, a lot of sweat, tears, and some money, not very much. And uh, we had a mission editor in place that I could use, but uh, that's only because I'm a very demented human being. Uh, and then that last. Part of the equation is questionable. It was not something anyone with any sanity points left would ever want to wrestle around with. So we actually did a Kickstarter to fund uh, a mission editor anyone could use. Again, like I said, with EFS, the user generated content, all this cool stuff that fans made was really, I got to admit, some of the best stuff in the game. So I wanted to have that available for Noble Armada as well. So we worked on the mission editor and you can do all sorts of different missions, With the ships. I mean you're still stuck in what is primarily a space combat game. We don't have a huge amount of RPG elements in it or adventure game elements. We have some of each, but not a huge amount. I I'm the kind of person who would have had like to have had more. Not a lot of trading. So you are there are limits what you can do. But you great these great missions and really deep missions. And uh if we manage finish clean up the campaign editor, we'll share that with everybody as well. But yeah, being able to do these uh really extensive missions and battles and Not just in the Fading Sun setting, you can create any you want. You can set up the ships, the wind conditions, all the different battles between the stars, what happens on each planet, and so forth. So I've had a lot of fun with that. I've really enjoyed what players have done. But if you thought this game was tough, most of the missions I've gotten from players, oh my goodness. They uh, they hate humanity or something. They are <laughs> I can only imagine. Deadly that. with a capital D-E-A-D-L-Y.
0: I mean, if they're good enough to not only conquer the game, but conquer the mission editor <clears throat> as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can only imagine. I like to think the mission
1: editor is relatively easy to use, right? But I mean, I was the guy who was working with one. You had to wrestle to the ground and throttle for a while before you could put a ship into play.
0: Right, but usually the people who make mission usually use the mission editors are the ones that are very good with the game itself. Like they just, a lot of people don't just dive right into the mission editor. They'll play the game for a while first, so that that doesn't surprise. Oh man,
1: you never played Age of Rifles for SSI? They had a
0: Oh, mission no, I did.
1: For that I did. I, I loved... Did that. I, I like played one fight, and then I started making my own. Oh, I, got, I can do better I think, guys.
0: I think some of the earliest websites I ever went to were Age of Rifles Mission Repositories. Yeah, War Game Construction day. Set. Yeah. Oh, I've, I haven't thought about Age of Rifles in the longest time, but that was that's another game that needs to be on GOG. Oh, my God.
1: I'll, I'll firmly agree with you on that one. No, oh. these are the games where... You know your are a game designer. You go in there and me? Like, I can do something better than that, and you make utter crap. But it's what you made, so it's, uh, that's what matters.
0: <laughs> now, the missions uh, that you can get for this game on Workshop, I don't remember seeing Workshop support. Or is there another place to get them?
1: Uh, so right now, it's just basically going to be uh, traded back and forth between. We're going to include some in the next uh, versions of the game. Uh, you'll notice we're still on, like, version 0.8-something. Yeah. Or other, Uh, so the idea is we want players to be trading them in our discussion uh, areas and so forth, uh, because uh, you can just copy them right into the directory and you're ready to go with them.
0: Oh, okay, that's not uh, not hard. Okay,
1: yeah, we've got a um, a variety of options uh, within the Noble Armada directory in your Steam uh, folder. So you've got the uh, the campaign missions, which you really can't do anything with right now, though you can edit them. Something we always do, we want players to be able to edit everything we do. So everything's I and I and I files. So you can go in and edit the missions that are there just in text-wise.
0: Oh, my God. I and I, I files. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> break out the DOS machine. I and I files. Do you have a config sys in there as well? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. That was that was mean. I'm sorry.
1: Hey, what do you got against config sys? I Nothing. live and die by the Nothing.
0: config I, I lived in there. I got to that, yeah. I gotta squeeze out that last case so I can get strike commander to run. God <laughs>
1: damn it. God god oh, damn that's it exactly right <laughs> exactly right but yeah so we've got the level data which are our basic missions and we've got an area just for user missions and you can create them there and you can get them from other folks put them in there and change them around however you want and you can move them from our mission our level data into the user missions i don't know, move them back and yeah that's pretty we're nice. we're trying to give players as much control as we can well
0: that's very nice because some games like They they love modding, but they don't make it easy. Like I think it was Sins of a Solar Empire. It's like, yeah, you can download the mod, but then you gotta like edit some crap in the folder. And not even in the game folder. It's like the documents slash my games slash whatever whatever.
1: (laughs) Crap. No, and I firmly I firmly understand why. I mean, level editors are a pain to make user friendly. That's why I did a whole Kickstarter just to fund a good mission editor. They are right. a pain to me. They're so easy to make for just the people working on the game to use. And we understand it all. Mm-hmm. But you want anyone else in there. Ho, 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 ho,
0: ho. Well, that's the thing. Uh, a good level editor can give a game legs beyond initial sales like
1: Absolutely. to yeah. an amazing in my day. degree.
3: In my day, the level editor was called Notepad. <laughs> and
1: you can still do it in Notepad. Just dig in. Oh my God! The ones I got and you can have fun. Just figure out what the zeros, ones, and threes and fours means.
3: Yeah, I used to edit levels uphill both ways in the snow.
1: <laughs> but the other part of this, and this goes back to my days as Vampire developer. I mean, I'm very proud of what I created with Chicago and West Club and all these other things we did for the, the Sabat and everything we, I did for Vampire. But what the players came up with was always phenomenal. And uh, in tabletop, it's so easy to give players that sort of control. On a computer, it's so much harder. And I'm, I'm so glad every time I can do that. And it's always the best. Mall Tycoon. So here's a simple little game. You make a mall. But I love what players would come up with. And it was another one of those games where we had the basic game there. It was designed for tweens. But we found a significant chunk of our audience were adults. And we, for the for people who didn't want to get into it, you didn't have to move any levers. You could just play the game simple. But if you wanted to really dig into it, we gave you all sorts of levels you could move and change around and lots of control over. it. We had people who would send us copies of uh, levels of, of malls they'd made, which are just mind boggling. I even used the game at one point to uh, demonstrate um, senior living uh, houses just by modifying some of the numbers. So your mall just pulled seniors all the time. We had various demographics of shoppers and things like that. So
0: I've never, played yeah, I love getting players of tools. I've never played one of the multi Tycoon games, but now that I'm looking at it, I want to very badly. <laughs> Which one would you recommend,
1: one or two? Ours, one, of course. Yeah, unfortunately, we did not do two. That was, uh, yeah, we uh, we had uh, first right of refusal on the sequel. We found out they were shopping the sequel around. We said we want to do it. They Gave us a very low number. We said okay, we can do it for that. And then they came back and gave us a number that was half that. I was like, fine, take it to the Europeans and let them do it.
0: So. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably find a copy on eBay like tonight and just get that because that looks. I love ty- I love tycoon games and and games like that. And I never played this one, so I'm gonna have to fix that. That looks great. I wonder if it still works. I'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, good, good question. I haven't gotten one of mine to run. Into. A number of years so but i haven't exactly tried too hard so. so
0: when did you start working on this new noble armada
1: a number of years ago so uh i met uh one of the click team is group that makes the fusion engine and uh, i met uh one of their lead engineers at gdc a number of years ago and we were talking he was a fading suns fan he just done a space game so we started throwing around ideas for this, and we started uh, bandying back and forth. Neither of us had much time put into it until recently, but we started doing different versions of it, throwing things back and forth to talk about what could be done. Uh, the main issue I have to admit was that movement system. Did we want to go ahead and do something new, or go with uh, conventional click drag and uh, send your units off? Do we actually want to try and do the physics? So. We agreed finally to go ahead and really focus on the the physics as defined in the tabletop miniatures game. This is based on a miniatures game. I don't know if I said that part. And uh, so we hashed out the physics engine for a while, and over the past years, past year, really got to work on it and uh, and finished it up uh, to this level in September. Then I had to take a break and put together the siege conference I do every year, just in the twelfth annual. Southern Interactive Entertainment and Game Expo, the largest professional game development conference in the South, uh, which was a lot of fun, and uh, now getting back into work on it. Looking forward to a whole bunch of new levels and looking at this backlog of mission levels from some of the fans who've been creating stuff.
0: So, so how?
1: Your question? What was the question? Wait a minute. What was I talking about?
0: <laughs> no, you answered it. How long have you been working on it? Uh, now tell now what is the name? Remind me of the name of the engine. I don't think I've ever heard of this engine you're using. Fusion, I think yep. it's
1: called currently. Fusion 2.5 has been known as Multimedia Fusion. Shows you how old it was back when multimedia was a thing. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's an excellent little 2D game engine. It's very robust. Let's you a lot of things. You can get into it very simply. You can put together games like in an hour and have a pretty full game pretty quickly. Or you can go in-depth with it and do something like uh, Noble Armada. We really, really stretched the limits of what you could do. And one of the fun things about working with one of their engineers on this, uh, Chris Carson, was that that what we were doing for Noble Armada ended up in new versions of their fusion engine. So we're very happy to drive it forward uh, that way. Um, I mean, one of the things I love is working with new game devs. That's why I do the Siege Convention. I've even taught game design at a couple of schools. Uh, and just love to give them tools that are step up from like Game Maker. Love Game Maker, like give them tools that are more more robust than that, but aren't like Unreal. Something intermediary there, and that's where I think Fusion 2.5 falls perfectly.
0: And is this going to be a mobile game as well? Because it seems really geared toward like with the dragging and everything. It seems like like it would very work very well in a touch interface.
1: That's exactly right. In fact, we started devising it as an iOS title. And then oh. we sat down and said, look, we're, we're PC junkies. Let's admit what we are. Uh, so, yes, you are seeing a hybrid, and it is very much aimed at being uh, mobile early next year as well.
0: Oh, great. Well, I'm, uh, that'll be a bigger
1: audience, I'm sure. Um, but... but we're not going to be able to do the missions back and forth. So another part of the reason to go PC was, I'm sorry, I want more UGC. I want to see what players create. And you can't do that very well for mobile like we can do for the PC. That kind of was the 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 thing that broke the camel's back. That's why we said, let's put the mobile on the back burner and do the PC and have a lot of fun with it. That's totally fair.
0: Yeah, and it has taken me a while to start clicking with it. but Because I'll admit, it really isn't again the tutorial it doesn't really explain that it's kind of Newtonian so like i was trying to just move around like a naval like like starfleet command or something it's like nope that that's not how that any of that works
1: so, and it's uh, actually you know to a great degree based on like the uh, wooden ships and iron men sort of games uh, the napoleonic oh god really of 1812 oh, crossing the tee you've got your broadsides you want to line them up maneuver to line up your best broadside and then close to end with cutlass and laser on the other guy's ship yeah very much set up like that and again i mean that whole maneuvering at sea you can't just turn on a dime i mean you're not controlled by the winds of space but uh uh, you do want to uh maneuver around you can't just immediately take a hard left
0: i've played Um, all the ships I've, I've played all those games, too. So I, I love Age of Sail stuff. So I've played one. And there was a
1: great, just, just as a complete aside, there was a great, So we were talking about mech games earlier, There's a fun, fun little mech game takeoff on uh, Wooden Ships and Iron Men called uh, Wooden Suits and Iron Men. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, what if Babbage had made his, his computer and you had mechs back in the age, in the Victorian era? So all these giant wooden mechs battling it out. I'm glad you don't have me on camera because I just did the whole flailing, battling it out. I've so.
0: never heard of it. What's it? I can't find this. What is it?
1: Wooden Suits it was, and uh, Iron Men? I believe it was Wooden Suits and Iron Men. Just a little cheap throwaway uh, mech game back in the 90s.
0: I have to find that
1: because... I have a copy of it somewhere in my game library. Um, so we Yeah, have- wood, nope, nope, that's not it. So we, i'll have to take a look so we have a question
0: yeah. well a couple of questions from uh craig uh can you talk hi little, craig can you talk <laughs> can you talk a little about ship stats what are they speed firepower crew etc types of weaponry and how does damage management
1: work all right yeah yeah ship stats let's see Thirty-six, twenty-four, fifty-nine. no wait um <laughs> so we rate the ships for a number of different things um one uh, is their uh, actual gun hardpoints is an odd one. So you've got broad sights, but they have a certain number of guns per each, and each ship is different. Some don't even have front and rear guns. Most guns have front, rear, left, and right guns. Um, so uh, uh, someone just pinged me about the potato mech uh, game. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to send you that
3: Kartoffelkrieg animated gif. All right. It's um, like it's like Steve Jackson's Potato Ogre,
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, Ogre. You see, now this is another spaceship game I want to do, and it's not my idea. It's an old friend of mine, Les Brooks, who used to work for Chaosium, used to talk about. It. He just wanted to do this massive dreadnought game. When when games are just getting more and more uber powered, where your ship is eating stars and throwing planets at each other, and uh, just devouring, powered by galaxies and things like that, just Ogre is well, always my uh, classic example. Just how big can you envision your thing to be? So, did you? I
3: mean, you've probably read some sci-fi. Uh, Saberhagen's oh yeah. series. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Very which was basically like an AI Death Star <laughs> that yep. would come for planets, right? So, how much? It's basically an ogre, right? Uh, but it's in space. And then you could right. have instead of tanks, you have a, a fleet of fighters or
1: whole armada coming or, after
3: or, yeah, being yeah, devoured. Yeah, it's like it's like in Star Trek, the Wolf 359 battle where you have like the entire Starfleet shows up to fight one right. cube and lose. Right. Um, and I'm I'm really shocked that nobody has ever done anything with uh with the saber and stuff.
1: Yeah, because the ogre thing is just classic. I mean, you have the ogre versus every tank in the game and the ogre still just rolls over them. So uh, yeah, that sort of uh, idea of Uber power. I, th- I remember people talking about trying to do a berserker license at one point. I don't know why it never happened.
3: Yeah, because I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. Like, do you shoot the engines off? Do you shoot the guns off? Do you do you like try to destroy like the the doomsday bomb that if it gets close enough, it's going to just destroy it anyway, or, or what? You know, so it it's it's just like uh, one one team versus the uh unstoppable object and you just have to like dissect it before it gets there. Right, it, I or- think it would make an actual uh like even for like a mod for uh something like uh free space two or whatever if they if they could revitalize multiplayer in that or oh you know I should uh for that unnamed game that Impeller's working on. <laughs> whatever, the name. Maybe that's a mode that they put in there, right? It would be instead of horde mode. It, it's more like, no, you just have to fight this one really big thing that will kill you.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I've got all these strategies. That. Do yeah. I do waves against them? Do I try and get surgical? Yeah. You've got all these different options you can follow up on. So, but we're talking about ship stats. Boy, did we, uh,
0: <laughs> All right. So obviously happened. You've
1: got crew and marines. Crew is kind of your ship's hit points for people, uh, though they also affect how fast you can uh, reload your guns or re energize your guns. Oh, how really? Fast you get your engines back online. Yeah. And their where, experience speeds where that do, up.
0: Where do you see that? Like, where can you see your crew stats? Like, is there a place to see that? There
1: is a ship info button pretty much everywhere you go. So I should have had the game open the whole time. I we must trying. have missed this.
0: <laughs> Whoops. Uh,
1: yeah, so if you look up at the, well, you just had your the game on one of those screens where I could have shown it to you. Um, yeah, and when you're in the fight at the top, there's a ship info button. When you're on the planets, there's a basic system info button as well uh, to access that. And uh, your Marines also have experience. Obviously, their experience just determines how well they do in fights um, and uh, the ships have uh, shields and armor so shields have to be knocked through and can be come back up but the armor cannot be repaired except between battles so essentially that acts as your hit points but it's on each side so it's not overall you can have a side almost destroyed and still win the game by keeping that side away from your enemies different guns do different power as Alaris is quick to point out Hint for you guys who want to win more easily. The blasters are very overpowered. We're working on fixing that now. Um and uh uh yeah, those are the main the the basically the the shields and armor are your defense. Your crew is also a defense as well as uh, getting the engines going and uh and uh fixing the ship. Marines are your attack and defense on boarding actions, your guns have range, damage, and accuracy. We also have the missiles now in play uh, that can go flying around uh, and uh, hit at longer ranges than they're supposed to. Actually, all your guns can do damage at a longer range. Uh, And you've got three different types of uh, ships in this version of the game. You've got the explorers, the frigates, and the galleots. Uh, The explorers are the tiny ships that you kind of throw away in combat. The frigates often have the biggest guns, but the, it's kind of a toss between them and the galleys, And the galleys definitely have the marines, so they tend to be a little slower. But if you get them in for boarding action, they'll do some significant damage. Uh, you can rotate between your ships. We've got a number of ways to do that. So you can either click on your house button and just cycle through them, or click on each individual ship symbol to access a different ship. Uh... Pulling up the game right now to see if I've forgotten anything and why didn't I have this game up the entire time. Going into battle. Hawkwood against Al Malik. Come on, my valiant Hawkwood. You've caught the rest (laughs) of the pirates by surprise as they're returning home. Lee Halan forever. Lee Halan. (laughs) You just like the original demon-worshipping Lee Halan. I know you. I kind of do. (laughs) Yeah, there's... uh... Yeah, there's a ship symbol, green ship symbol at the top, and just click on that and you'll get your ship, you'll read crew on hand oh, how many, and whether they get any bonuses or not.
0: I didn't even look at any of
1: that. I just, okay.
0: <laughs> See, this is the problem shooting... with being an old school
1: gamer. I'm used to just exploring, the, what does this button do? Oh gosh, I blew up my computer. Uh,
0: yeah, but it's there's, just the way... Either give me a manual or beef up that tutorial. That's all I'm going to say. I, that's, needed, that's, I uh, need to
1: do both. Those
0: are my... Oh, are, oh yeah, I would love wrong.
1: both. I would love both. Um, and there's it, a pause button on the screen you'll notice in the upper right, yeah,
0: yeah, but you also pause when uh, selecting one of your ships.
1: when you hit escape, you pause
0: so there's potentially a lot of gameplay here like because what so you have um these missions, and how like how many bat yeah tool tips are tooltips in there? I don't remember tooltips um if it they should have, be. I'm right
1: in there. Now. We were doing tool tips. I think that was one of the things that got scrapped at the last minute. Oh gotta have tool tips. Tool tips became the tutorial.
0: Oh, need oh, need more than that. Um What was I gonna say? So like how many battles can you have in one mission? Like in one mission file. Uh,
1: I think well, so it's interesting. You have up to six planets but you can put a battle essentially along each route and you can put all these different routes into there between all of, there's no limit really on the number of routes you put between planets. So it's, uh, I guess it's uh six routes to six planets because you have the jump gate in there as well. So at least 36 battles in one mission, if you really wanted to.
0: So would you say one mission is like one system with up to six yes, planets? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and there That's could be exactly multiple, right. and there could be multiple paths to get to those different planets.
1: That is and, exactly right.
0: And what did the planets provide? Do the plant the plants provide like you can repair? But there are other things that look like the plants can do as well.
1: That's right. New weapons, more marines, a listening post to see what's going on. Uh, yeah, all sorts and new ships. You can buy more ships at different planets. Beef up your your growing armada. Yeah, a lot of different options along that way.
0: And uh, and the campaign looked like it's multiple systems, so you go through one system. That's
1: right. Now you've got a huge amount of gameplay in the the campaign itself.
0: And if you're going to include a campaign editor, that's going to be, like, a lot. Because these battles aren't quick. Like, the one battle I did that I won by sheer luck, I guess, was at least a half an hour. And that was a smallish one. That was four on three,
1: I think. Interesting. Well, we also have the skirmish mode. Have you looked at that
0: yet? I really haven't because I've been trying to learn the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I might've, might should have put skirmish mode first because this gives you all these little quick little ways to do battles, set the fights exactly as you want. So if you click on skirmish mode, you'll see, you can decide what house you are, how big your fleet is, uh, what weapons are on your fleet, put them up against the enemy, give the enemy no ship or one ship, uh, Switch between Destroy All Ships. Oh, we got the Seize the Space Station one, which is a lot of fun. I'm sorry to don't have the Space Station and the Mission Editor, but seizing the Space Station is a lot of fun. Different levels of space debris. But this is really where you can define your battles so you can try out all the different weapons we give you in different combinations against whatever enemy fleet is and uh, get your space legs together before you actually uh, go into the missions themselves. So this was another, this is one of these crazy little arguments that designers can have for weeks or months on end. Should the player first get the option for the missions or the skirmishes? Missions, no, skirmishes. So we went with missions because we figured most of our players were interested in the uh, universe and the setting. But we so easily could just put up these skirmishes and you go straight into these battles and be having fun uh, modifying it all and never realize there are missions in the game.
0: Maybe you have a small tutorial campaign. Like, just a few battles that fully flesh out, like, because the tutorial is, like, one battle, and it's really short, and yeah. it doesn't explain everything. And so maybe you have, like, a few battles that, like, explain. That uh,
2: maybe add on to more concepts as yeah. you go through. Yeah, exactly. That's
1: a good idea, because really, one of the things I'm most disappointed in myself about with this is that the tutorial isn't a tutorial to the Fading Suns either.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's true. It doesn't. And really I wish introduce... I had done
1: that. You were the noble. Do this. Right. Rise up and rank in your house. Bring honor to your house, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Right, right. And yeah, it really doesn't do that either. And please don't yeah. think we're trying to be mean. We're just trying. To, we're trying to actually give constructive criticism to make the game
1: better. Hey, like I said the other day, or Saturday night, James Portnow, myself, Eddie Webb, and Michelle Menard. Uh, Michelle's with a great company, Oxide Engineering. She's working for Axis and, and the like. We picked up a uh, horror game that we wanted to love, and we streamed our critique of it, and we didn't love it as much as we'd hoped. So, I'm ready to get some grief from my fellows in the development community and the dev community when they uh, see our commentary. So, I'm I'm all ready for some uh, for some hating on my game, baby. No, it's it's not, it's not hate. Believe me, it's just yeah. Yeah, yeah, no hate at all. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I yeah, appreciate I mean, feedback, but I mean, sorry, that- I can't talk anymore. Now I'm playing my game.
0: <laughs> sorry.
1: Malik got to die.
0: All right, all right. Well, folks, that was the Space Game Jockey podcast. Thank you very <laughs> much.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I love things dying, man. This is cool. Join us next hey, week. Hey, hey, i our- gray. What does that
0: mean? Join us next yeah. week when our guest will be Jaja Zsa Gabor. Yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, missiles missing! That was
0: <laughs> this right, is bro. why we don't and play the game
1: commentary. live anymore.
0: Sorry, that, are we talking? What was that, was that? exactly. Be like, goddamn missiles! Yeah, it's like, wait, <laughs> we have a guest. Yeah. Sorry, you were here. I,
3: I think a, a good introduction to the player would be like if you took them out on a target range first and said, "Okay, maneuver Ooh, around, touch these points," and then one, you know, it's like it, it's basically the old fly through hoops, right? Like hit these waypoints and that way you figured out in a, in a setting where things are not shooting at you and there's no asteroids to bounce off of or kill yourself. um, This is how you maneuver the ship around and then drop some static targets out there. And it's just, you know, shoot those. Cause I, I was also kind of struggling with how the guns fired because I picked the, I picked the ship I want to shoot at, but he's in motion and my guy's, aim at where he is so therefore uh you know they have to lead the target right and they're not so is is that a thing that i need to tell them somehow because you know i I click the the target reticle and then i pick a ship to shoot at and as long as he's in the arc it, it automatically fired but i don't know how to make them adjust for leading a ship that's that's moving
1: right it absolutely is a thing and unfortunately we just kind of fudge it by saying that your speed and their speed modify your accuracy. Oh, okay. So the faster you're going the faster they're going, the less likely you are to hit. And that's an unfortunate thing that we don't give you that option to lead, which would be very cool. It's just your guys are this good, and you're going this fast, and they're going that fast, and you're at this distance, therefore you have this chance to hit.
3: Okay, because I couldn't tell that it was just like bad dice roll. Sort of thing. It w- it just seemed like, yeah. okay, the shots go straight out the side. You know, how do I solve that problem? I'll so,
1: never be, I'll never be able to hit. No, there's a chance. But yeah, you're, you're surrounded right. you by assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, go ahead and do the I I hadn't even thought of doing spaceballs. Yeah, have you? I need to do that. Have you,
3: um, oh, it's have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Ken Burnside's Attack Vector Tactical? The no. tabletop. Game? Yeah. Okay. Uh something to look at. It's a it's a pretty complex full Newtonian physics tabletop spaceship war game, right? And and it's full Newtonian in three dimensions. So he's he's got a navigation system that's that's basically a, a sphere, and then you plot movement on the sphere, but you set your thrust level and then it's got a chart where you you calculate out in using the chart, like which hex you're gonna actually end up in. Because if you do a ninety degree turn and then step on the gas, you're not gonna end up doing a ninety degree turn. You're gonna you're gonna kind of curve over there. So he's he's got a chart that basically pre calculates all the curves for you. Wow. Which is nice. Um it, it would be wonderful if he'd bring it to a computer game.
0: Hell yeah! Oh my god, it's
3: it's kind of it's kind of what I was thinking though while I was playing your game because it's like I set which way I want the ship to face, and then the further away I drag the waypoint is, I I notice that that's actually setting the the amount of thrust that I'm going to apply. That's right. So then it fires a burst, and I and I go that way. So uh, it plays out very much like that, except it's three dimensions and it's on paper. Neat, so neat. you can imagine the problem set to solve. So then, to the player looking at this, it's just you, you look at the this on the rule book and and you know on the ship control sheet because it's it's kind of got like a Starfleet battles looking thing, and you look at that and you're just like. Nah, <laughs> I can't. The, the human mind can't do this. So, what he set up as a tutorial in there, and there, there's actually like a, a demo version of the game you can download that's got this scenario in it, is uh, he suggested putting like Hershey's Kisses out on the, on the map, and then you fly the ship and you have to hit the Hershey's Kiss, and when you hit it, you get to eat it. So, that's your
1: <laughs> figuring <laughs> out how to fly. Ah,
0: that's a good idea.
1: I'm going to include yeah. that in the tutorial.
0: <laughs> you feed your crew <laughs> uh craig has some more questions uh from youtube sure do ship systems take damage during battle that affects systems like sensors targeting blah 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 and i believe you answered this all this other one is there crew veterancy because it sounds like there is crew experience i believe that's right we've
1: got four levels uh none one two three four veterans i think are, we have as the highest level and yeah they definitely make a difference in the game as you're Crew gets better and your Marines get better. Uh, the ship systems, guns, you can get taken out. Uh, shields uh, can come back over time. But as for sensors and the like, no. But one thing that we did do um, is that in boarding combat, the longer your ships, or your longer your Marines stay on enemy ship, or their Marines stay on your ship the more damage they do there as well. So they can take out shields and guns and engines and so on. So yeah, your engines can be damaged as well, but sensors, no targeting. No.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, and what was, I was going to ask a question, but now I've totally blanked on it,
1: <laughs> but uh, I like the idea. And Alaris is having fun in there with uh, having tips on the, on the uh, loading screen. You're right. The, the tutorial was brief, so we definitely need to to knock that one on up as uh, as well. And again, to give it information on the fading sun setting as well. Give some cool things uh, uh, about your, the, your various heresies and the like. So could definitely have some fun with that that I should have done to begin with.
0: Now, there's another facet of the game, uh, the crew boarding, which is also all, almost this kind of mini game. Uh, yeah, how, how did that it come? Is, it about? is our
1: turn-based game. I yeah, got that... my turn-based game in there, so I was very happy to have that in there. Yes, that's exactly right. It is a basically. Oh, hello! You are missing out by not having me on video right now. A <laughs> uh, fairy princess, America, has joined us. What? Yes? No. Who are you tonight? Queen of my mother. <laughs> yes, you're the queen of the dance. We're really good. We might get a puppet show out of this. You know where wow. You didn't have a weapon. Where are you going to? Sorry, everyone. This is far more important than game sale. I'm
2: going to fancy Nancy's
1: The You are going to fancy Nancy's party. Excellent. Yes, my uh, my daughter just appeared in full princess garb. Mm. And uh, every piece of jewelry in her collection, lacking only her shield, usually she goes out as very Princess America. Uh, uh, princess yeah, she is a princess <laughs> right now. She's not Princess Captain you gotta, America. You
3: got to uh, start that cosplay early.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: So anyway, the you have um, great
1: dancing.
0: So the boarding is, so. is is a fairly simple but pretty fun game, I have to say.
1: Thank you, thank you. yeah. We went back and forth on this one too. Initially, we completely abstracted it, uh, and you just connected and you either won or you didn't, and we both said, "Eh uh and then we started getting into various boarding combat systems, and uh we didn't want something that tore you completely out of the the uh space combat game, because really boarding could be a full game in itself. Uh, but we wanted something that gave you some reason to sweat and some strategic decisions to make. So you send over your Marines, you see how many they get, you're trying to take their bridge in a certain amount of time. Basically, we can't have you spending forever in the boarding combat because there is a space battle going on <laughs> around outside you. If you don't win in 10 turns, the boarding combat's over and you're back to the base game. But you can go in there and just do damage to the enemy ship or try and capture it. And uh, like with the Seize of Space Station skirmish mode, uh, you'll have to do it several different boarding attempts before you can actually take it. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the boarding combat, and uh, we just, we talked about having actual images of combat, but for a variety of reasons, uh, including uh, the uh, trying to avoid blood, we show your icon. So you have the Dacados Mantis Warriors versus the Hawkwood Lion Rampants and the like uh, battling it out. And you have to decide which space, which airlock you come in at, and you've got your options, and you can cut off your own Marines by getting in their way or combine units to make them uh, bigger after they've taken damage and so forth. Oh, so you
0: can only combine them after they've taken some losses?
1: Uh, It depends what they come in. I think we max them out at 30 or 40. Ah, okay. So if you come in with a depleted Marine Force or with, like, an Explorer, you can combine them right off the bat. But if you come in with a... Fairly robust force. You'll have to take some damage before you can recombine. How
3: close do you have to be to execute a boarding?
1: Yeah, the grapples are your shortest range weapons. You have to be basically a ship length or two away. I forget how we decided that. Oh. Well, maybe maybe that's your tutorial target.
3: Is is give them some uh, like supply things to grapple, right? No, it's not like a here's idea. a supply container. So you fly over to it, grapple it. Throw some Marines in,
0: yeah. Maybe them to, like
3: to just recover the box, and then yeah, because and then that way you taught maneuvering and boarding.
0: And, well, I was thinking maybe but, break it up a little bit, like uh, like you have a tutorial, a little campaign or mission, and one battle is just maneuvering, and then the next battle is shooting, and the next battle is boarding. You know, so you get to focus on yeah. one key concept at a time. Maybe something
3: like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking in stages, so to speak.
3: Yeah, so it builds on, like, if you make them fly through waypoints first, and then approach with the, you know, add docking to it afterwards. So then the waypoints become little bases that you have to dock at to get supplies or something. And then that would allow allow you to also incorporate boarding in it. So, you know, it'd be maybe like three missions to get them into yeah, that's it a good idea. and then at the end of the third mission drop an actual enemy ship and just be like oh no they've shown up and you know don't die
1: right. I like that Alaris has raised the point about firing range that's something we actually again went back and forth on and this is my fault the programmer put in a code so you could see who was within range and not but I come out of the old miniatures game school where if you've measured it you've fired it so I said no not knowing is going to be part of the part of the gameplay figuring that out but as Alaris is noting, yeah, you do have to constantly check.
0: Yeah, you have to keep hitting that target button. Oh, can't shoot him now. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, a computer gamer, I think, wants a little more information uh, than that.
1: Yeah, um, no, you're absolutely right, and that's again part of it being an old school gamer. Is uh, right, right. No, I get take it. Your, one's own attitude out of it.
0: I get it. Like, I play a lot of old-school games for this channel, and sometimes the old-school works, and sometimes it it doesn't.
1: <laughs> oh, when you were asking about windowed mode. You're right. Control-W takes you into the windows, and Control-F goes full screen again.
0: Oh, jeez. Oh, Thanks. Uh, side, side question. Is there a way to get Emperor of the Fading Suns into a windowed mode? Do you know <laughs> at all? Is there, please... Uh, has been real be, because I I've tried capturing that game with two different programs and it's hard booted my PC.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Someone on uh, YouTube, someone on YouTube said, that.
0: "Sorry, someone on YouTube said they did it with a window." I'm like, how? How did you do that? <laughs> I need to know.
1: Yeah, I remember at the time because we were coming out of it with a pure DOS library we were converting our DOS library to a windows library at the time. I mean, remember this, we we're working on this in 95. Right. Uh, I remember that being one of the problems we had at the time. Of course, you are talking about problems. I had 23 years ago.
0: I know. I just thought and I was I'd the one who it
1: then by any means.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. So, so, uh, Back to Noble Armada, what are what are some of, like, the next things you have planned for the uh, early access period, for the early access?
1: Yeah, so we're adding more missions specifically for people now, fixing that campaign editor, hopefully getting it more streamlined. Apparently, completely reworking the tutorial. Thanks <laughs> Yay! Our, uh, <laughs> working on the manual. Thanks, Space Gamer Junkie. Uh and um, uh, we are also working on the mobile versions and cross your fingers console as well. So we've really? got a strong console for this one. Yeah, How, uh, I, could kinda
0: this ga- I could kind of see this working with I could kind of see this working with a gamepad. Would you use like the analog stick to Yep, move around the oh.
3: that's
1: our current thinking?
0: I could see that. Or maybe it's so the key
3: bindings defined in a text file somewhere if I did want to edit them, I could crack that open.
1: That is a completely effusion a question. So let me go ahead and pass that on to Chris. Actually I think he's just let me see if I can get him in the chat.
3: Yeah, because if, if I can't I mean it, it would take time to actually put in like a UI screen that would let me do it, right? But if I could just pop open a Notepad and
1: do it, that's enough. I, I think that that's a fusion issue. They don't allow, but uh, let's find out. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to move it from the arrow keys to
3: W S A D to move the map around,
1: oh, and then okay. like
3: I said, spacebar for pause. And, and
0: so and how long do you how long do you envision the uh, early access period lasting?
1: Uh, Part of that depends on what we uh, end up doing regarding console. The idea had been through the end of the year, but if we get the console stuff going, it'd be into early next year. So, but I really want it by spring to be pretty complete. I mean, it's a very complete game now, as you're seeing. Uh, But, uh, yeah, as we get all the different platforms together, that's when it needs to... uh, Danger c car- key bindings are hardwired currently. Okay. So that is a fusion issue with it. Again, we did drive fusion forward in a number of ways. That was not one of them.
0: Well, um it I mean it's already <clears throat> really really oh yeah, uh Alaris brings up a good point. Uh, what are some of the, uh, like I, I've only played like one or two houses, but what are some of the differences between the ships you get for the different houses?
1: Right. I mean, there's range differences. There are a number of Marine differences. I think we might've overpowered the Hazat a bit at the beginning of the game. Now, just because I wrote the Hazat books and the Hazat section of the rule books and so forth had nothing to do with it. Uh, and underpowered the Alma Malik a little bit, uh, in the initial version of the game. Um, yeah, so uh, the the ships themselves do have some differences. Uh, uh, we kept them relatively minute. I really should have gone with bigger differences between them, but they are there. The guns, the starting guns and the starting numbers of Marines and crew being the big ones. Uh, we we set up the Al-Malik kind of to be the big boarding house, but I don't think, it, I don't necessarily think it came out as much as it should have. So that's something we're still tweaking around with those numbers. So the Hazat themselves within our game system are the most uh, militant. The uh, Hawkwood were the ones who won the Emperor Wars. They tend to be the more strategic one. Thus early on, we were giving them better range. The Kados early on had the more brutal guns and a closer range, but uh Again, the differences are really minor at game start.
0: Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Alaris brings up a good point that like the player a lot a lot of players probably aren't from, so familiar with Fading Suns. There should be a way that for them to like, like maybe when you choose a house, like what are the advantages and disadvantages of that house? You know, like when they're choosing a house, you know, like
1: and I mean that was the big thing in Emperor of the Fading Suns. I really hate that we scrapped that for this game. So with EFS, you had distinct house advantages and disadvantages. Oh, yeah. And you could change them around and the like, but you had your default settings. And I love doing that with EFS, coming up with this huge long list of of, uh, strengths and weaknesses that your house could get, and you could buy more weaknesses to get more strengths and so on. And uh, I loved creating that. People loved playing around with that. Uh, And unfortunately, we don't have it in this game. It was just getting too awkward to do right off the bat. But um yeah, that that's something that's on my wish list for down the road having that sort of uh option to give yourself advantages and disadvantages.
0: I was gonna say, is there any kind of uh post release roadmap you have in mind? And that that already sounds like a thing. Um
1: Yeah. Is- there are a number of things we'd like to do with it. Um so We'd put uh, the Fading Suns universe on a hiatus for a bit. We'd license it out to some people instead of working on it ourselves. And uh, some of that was successful, some of it not so much. There are new editions of the Fading Suns rules book out that we would not have done, and it kept it somewhat alive, but certainly not with the energy that we'd had when we were in our prime before we started having publishers die on us. So... <laughs> Recently, a number of us have gotten back together and said, "Okay, it's time to recreate it. Unfortunately, the universe falling apart theme is far too relevant again. So let's start playing with it one more time. Again, these games are very much meant to reflect our own worlds as much as our science fiction settings. So uh, we've got some new work going on with the Noble Noble Armada Miniatures game. We started doing this game. Seriously, we got the new Fading Suns fourth version. We certainly do want to do something else with Emperor the Fading Suns. This is kind of a proof of concept to get things moving again. Get the to get the band back together, man. And uh that is awesome. Seeing what we could do with a new version. We it's kind of funny. We hit our our down phase of the company right before crowdfunding came about and i've always kind of regretted after we'd had the publishers dying on us if we could have just crowdfunded the noble armada computer game we were working on then i mean we had a solid demo ready
0: yeah and you uh, had and it wasn't too long it wasn't too long after efs so it was still fairly fresh in people's minds
1: and then the role playing game was still selling very well
0: yeah that's that's the uh, time i was doing the pen and paper stuff was
1: like the late 90s yeah right so, like, if we could have kicks, if Kickstarter had been a thing in the early aughts, two thousand four, two thousand five, we could have gotten Noble Armada done. I mean, we're, we couldn't get a publisher at that time. We could have gotten the fans to support it and uh, bootstrapped, as we were doing at the time. But at the time, we were just bootstrapping and didn't have the uh, the Kickstarter level of support. Now. Who knows what we could do if we could uh, kick this back up, uh, energize, rebuild uh, the audience. The main goal of the Kickstarter we did for Noble Armada was to get cool user content coming out with it with the mission editor. But I'll be honest, a big part of it is also to reinvigorate the fan base that we had in place, folks who love Fading Suns, and see what kind of uh, cool things we can do down the line. And the Kickstarter was successful, did exactly what we wanted to do, so maybe... Uh, We'll be able to do something interesting with EFS in the future. EFS is not exactly a game a publisher wants to take a risk on these days.
0: Right, but I want it. (laughs) 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 I mean, that should be enough for you.
1: (laughs) Why isn't it enough for you? Serenity, it's hilarious. When Serenity came out... We had all these players saying, Did you license it? Is this Fading Suns in a new way? And, uh, God, not right? gonna, uh Josh, I, we did such great stuff with that. I, I'm, I'm not going to claim credit for it, but I did like that our minds I, think somewhat alike.
0: I, I did kind of see similarities in the wor in the universe, in the small verse of Serenity <laughs> com- compared to the larger universe of uh, Fading Suns. Uh, right. But that was also a fun pen and paper role-playing uh, system, was the Serenity system.
1: Oh, yeah, games. yeah, that team did a great job. Yeah. Definitely agree with you on that. Easy
0: one. to get into, simple D6 system, just a great, mm-hmm. great system.
1: No, they specifically made it accessible for Serenity fans who wanted to role-play and really hadn't done it. I think they did that very well.
0: They did that very, very well. Yeah, I got I to say that was probably one of the most accessible um, RPG systems I've ever played. Uh, which is surprising because so many RPG systems aren't that accessible.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm not good. I mean, Fading Suns, we didn't make Fading Suns to be the most accessible. We were going for people who were already in tabletop or who were already role-playing. Yeah. We, we did not see it as an intro system. No. We definitely f- let people stretch with it. And, and again, threw everything in so they could make it what they wanted.
0: It's, it's funny you mentioned Vampire because that was the first system I ever played.
1: Oh, excellent! <laughs> that one we did try to be a bit more accessible. Yeah, that was, yeah, way, that, was card, way, that, that
0: was way more that accessible. That was my more <laughs> What was your first?
2: Yeah. Uh, my first was D anD D, but okay. uh, yeah, actually, no, that was technically my third because I did D anD D then Top Secret SI. Oh
1: yeah, Top Secret, and then
2: and then um, and then White
1: Wolf. After that, I still have my books. I'm afraid to tell you what my first role playing game was. Go ahead. <laughs> In the '70s, there was a game called Bunnies and Burrows. What? Based on Watership Down. No. Wow. Oh my
0: god. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And so, when I was a kid, this was the uh, first—the first RPG I did. You played a rabbit. Uh, In the basically, they have a burrow. They're battling owls and. Oh my. Allying with chipmunks and. Uh, so forth and uh, it was uh, actually done by uh, uh, I don't know a lagomorphicist or whatever a rabbit scientist is and uh, how, I was a kid did, so I never used the reproduction rules but it was the first game I saw with reproduction rules included
3: How did the dice mechanics work because rabbits can't count above five
1: <laughs> That was one <laughs> of the best parts of it That was one of the very best parts of it Let me see if I remember it right It was one, two, three, many <laughs> Excellent! Brilliant! <laughs> no, that that was one of the parts. Wow. That's why I'm here, that's folks. One of the
0: wow! Ah, oh, that's uh, I I didn't know pen and paper went back that far.
1: To be honest, yeah, this you. was a late '70s game, uh, and uh, yeah, we had a great deal of fun with bunnies and furrows. It was an attempt to be an intro game, but boy, was it not. <laughs> good. that was my first my first uh, role-playing game
0: so it sounds like 2019 is going to be a really exciting year for fading Suns fans we got this coming to full release plus we have a new version of the tabletop uh uh system coming out which
1: that's uh, exactly right And we're looking to support each other a good bit more again when the uh FS four comes out. Expect there to be a new rush of missions coming out for Noble Armada. No,
0: oh, that's great. That's a fabulous yeah. idea. I and love campaigns. That. And
1: this is why I'm not really pushing the campaign editor yet. Now, come when we get the Fading Suns tabletop game out again. That's when I would love to have the campaign editor ready for prime time.
0: Oh man, can you imagine someone running a uh, a pen and paper role playing game and then using this for space a lot battles of and.
1: EFS and I loved that people would take parts of their Emperor of the Fading Suns game they were doing. I, don't know, I did. You all got to remember this is a hot seat play by email game, so you'd have turns waiting a week. So you would do a turn of the game and do some role playing within whatever was going on in the larger EFS.
0: No, I'll tell you, I got a lot of the ideas for my pen and papers uh, campaign from EFS as I played. Oh, excellent! That. So, so yeah, there was definitely, uh, definitely some cross pollination there.
1: When I was in junior high school, I based a fantasy game I was doing on The War of the Roses based on Avalon Hill's Kingmaker tabletop game. And that's kind of what inspired the EFS crossovers and the like. Uh, where... Oh, I saw
2: my copy of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, there'd be a turn of uh, Kingmaker and suddenly this noble would be stripped from power and this one would die and this one would be promoted. And then the adventures for the PCs would be somehow tied into that.
0: So, Alaris and I would like to know when the Fading Suns MMO is happening. Um, expect- <laughs> maybe 2021? Maybe
1: Gus, MMOs are now such a thing?
0: They still are, believe it or not. They, they still are a thing. They're still, like, they're still coming out. So, you know, why not? What's, a- the, what's
1: the new MMO? Who's um, doing a new MMO?
0: Black Desert Online is a newish
3: oh, okay. one. Not- Everybody in Korea.
0: A lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of Koreans. But like, Elder Scrolls Online is only what four or five years old.
1: Yeah, Alaris says uh, MMOs are actually a big deal still. They are, but new MMOs are something you're not seeing that. The much. thing
0: is, though, there aren't a lot of sci-fi MMOs.
1: That is very true, and the diff- part of the reason with that, there are a lot of reasons for that. But one of the main reasons is the ability to just get up and leave the planet. Yeah. How do you control for that? And with Fading Suns, we've always done that. I mean, that was a core part of the role-playing of the computer game. Of the role-playing game is that the jump gates can be shut down. You could be completely stuck on planet, even though there are spaceships going around you. Uh, and that's something I've – obviously, an FS MMO is something we did kick around. One of the ideas was you have a system that's closed off when the thing starts up, so you can travel between planets, but you can't leave the uh, solar system – and then at some oh. point, two or three years in, suddenly the jump gate opens.
0: Oh, please First make this all happen. this
1: shit coming please? in at you, and then you're able to leave.
0: Please kickstart this, please. <laughs> I, I, I will, whatever, whatever you want, whatever I can give. I, I want this to happen so badly. Oh my god!
1: How many kidneys do you have?
0: Uh, I still have two. I still have two. So you know you can have one. <laughs> I would, oh my God, you would get my money so fast.
1: Uh, I do, so we're working on Noble Armada. I would like to do a new version of EFL. Oh, God. The next one on my list really is going back to that Noble Armada one that we mm. did in the past, getting some of that old team back together, getting that funded, and kicking that into high gear. Because I really want a space game. I, I hate to see uh, uh, Star. Uh, gosh, Mamias, what the heck is the game called now? Star Citizen? Yeah, let's just go with... No, no, no. Um, uh, last, I've got the wrong... <laughs> the wrong windows open right now. Let's see if I can see what the official name is these days. Starfighter. I guess he's still using Starfighter Inc. So let's just say Starfighter Inc. Oh, so nice. he, Starfighter Inc, he's doing this great version. I mean, you've got lots of ship combat. You've got lots of personal adventuring and building up your spaceship and so forth uh and i want to do that fading sun's universe what i haven't seen him put in yet that uh, jack and david put in yet which i want is that whole political and questing side that's a big part of the fading sun's uh, setting i want you to the way noble armada was set up with that earlier version of the game was you were going to start as some low ranking guy in a house doing those basic kill rats missions and starting to uncover the deeper secrets and getting involved in the deeper politics of it salandra so Decados who in many ways we set up as a supervillain in the Fading Sense universe without her actually being a villain, was someone who'd become a reoccurring part, sometimes a sponsor, sometimes an enemy, and just dig you into the politics more and more, and you'd advance as part of the universe uh, and, and reveal more and more of the secrets as you travel between more and more of the stars. So that's the one I'd really like to see come after a revised EFS, but we'll see. We'll see. It all depends on the success of all the other elements coming together. And, yeah, I do have a a lot of things I'd like to do with Noble Armada Lost Worlds, but would really like to see that be the the jumping-off point to the the Fading Suns game that's also a role-playing game and an adventure game tying with all the politics.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I'll get a couple more
1: kitchen sinks to throw in there when I've got spare time.
0: Oh, yes. All right. So, folks, the game uh, is Nobler Model Lost Worlds it is currently on early access on Steam. What is the price? Remind me.
1: I don't know uh, currently not dollars 99 Currently nineteen ninety nine. dollars 99 And we're about to – so we launched in uh, uh, late September, uh, mid-September? Mid-September. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyone who buys it within the first month, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of new missions that only they get. Ooh. I should have said a bunch of new issues. We'll be doing some new missions that only they will get and then will be retired forever. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh,
0: but it's already got a lot of gameplay to it. Uh, there is a learning curve. Just know that going in, there is a learning curve. It takes a little while to click. But apparently they're going to be working on that. Uh, yes, so, we will. And so, a manual. So, But it's got boarding. It's got combat. It's got, it's got a... It's, it's very naval... It's like very naval in space, which is a lot of times what you want in uh, in a uh, space combat game. So it's really, really good. Uh, so definitely check it
1: exploration. out.
0: Yeah, Those definitely exploration.
1: Exploring lost. lost Worlds. Right.
0: So there's a lot of good stuff in there. So just a couple of programming notes real quick. Um, this Thursday for the land party, we're going to be trying a uh, co-op game called Dust Wind. Very excited about that. That looks like a lot of fun. And then uh, a thing next Tuesday, the podcast is moving back half an hour. We are going back to the top of the hour. So uh, starting next week, uh, we're going back to 5 p.m. Pacific uh, Standard Time for our afternoon uh, shows. Um, the morning shows will still be at 6 a.m. usually. But uh, we're definitely we're moving back to the top of the hour because it's just easier than doing 5.30 Uh, And also, just FYI, I might have jury duty, so we might have to not have next week's show. I don't know. But if we do have next week's show, it's going to be at 5 o'clock, and we're going to be talking to the guy who's making Starcon Nexus, which is a very fun, top-down, flighty exploration thing. But without that... uh, Without that... Really annoying rover stuff that ruined the uh, the long journey home. For example, Uh, it's really great. There's a preview video on the channel if you haven't seen it already. So that's who we're going to talk to. Hopefully next week if I don't have jury duty.
2: (laughs) But Andrew mentioned the uh, the land party uh, is also moving back a half an hour starting next week.
0: That's right. Thank you very much. So yeah, both Tuesdays and Thursdays are moving back to five o'clock starting next week Um, because that's just a little easier. To remember, And it's an easier start time. Uh, so uh, that'll be great. What is next week? What's next week's land party? Do you remember? Oh, it's Star Trek Bridge Crew. I think that's next week. Um, yeah. That's exciting. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Andrew, uh, thank you. You've been a fantastic guest. Uh, thank oh, you. Oh, my pleasure. Sorry so, for bending
1: your ear so much.
0: No, no, no. We love, we love knowing. That, that's one of the reasons we do this is because we love knowing, how finding out how the sausage is made. And talking to uh, game devs from, like, the last golden age of gaming, like the 90s uh, especially, is always exciting because we get some of the best stories out of uh, talking to game developers from those those olden days. So uh, oh, we didn't
1: really get into the dirt. Do you want the nasty stories?
0: <laughs> oh, sorry, we out of
3: time. <laughs> That's probably I best. Was, I was thinking we could have you back just to talk about uh, Vampire the Masquerade and stuff <laughs> at some point. So, how did you feel? Because uh, were you involved in the in like the lore part of that, or like what, oh, what very piece of that so. pie did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Almost so the whenever man. I so went, Book and saw of Nod the,
1: is one of people's favorite books. Sam Chup uh, wrote that when I was a developer on it. We and I worked pretty closely on that. He did some great writing on it. The Sabat yeah, stuff,
3: yeah, because I because I went and saw uh, the Blade movie in the theater, and I was mm-hmm. like, damn, they just straight ripped
1: off the Camarilla. <laughs> Yeah, to a
3: great degree. Yeah,
1: that's still a great it's, movie. It's
3: like uh, it's like that that movie, um, uh, whatever the name of it was, Underworld. Right? No, it was. Oh, uh, Bright
0: was terrible. Bright was. Yeah, I, but, I couldn't even finish but that. Bright
3: one. was. Oh, I know, but it, but it was it was oh. just like I had to ask Mitch. Uh, you know, it's like did they even talk to you guys about Shadowrun before they made that movie? <laughs> but, nope, not a word.
0: God, that movie just made me want to watch Alienation which is entirely what I did. <laughs> like a week. I don't later. know
1: if you knew that um after I left White Wolf, that was when the was it Underworld? The Vampires versus Werewolf movie came out. Yeah. And, Underworld, uh, yes. White yes. Wolf White Wolf ended up suing what? Sony over that. And I was actually an expert witness on behalf of uh White Wolf. What? I left White Wolf a number of years before that. And uh yeah, yeah, that's why actually uh Sony in very small letters uh Shows a license from the world of darkness.
0: Oh dear God, that's <laughs> and amazing.
1: Helped, uh, White Wolf get through some rough times.
0: That's amazing.
1: And so uh, you could fi- maybe
3: advise Brian on his jury duty then.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you'll love this process. even more then. So I've I've never had. I, I get called every couple of years, but I've never served on a jury. And uh, one of the most common questions, especially as a civil case, is um, Have you ever been involved in a trial in any way? Uh, I've been an expert witness once. What were you an expert witness on? Honestly God. So I go, what were you an expert witness on? I said, vampires. <sighs> the place was quiet. <laughs> and the uh, lawyer says, I think there's an interesting story there. But next juror, please. And needless to say, I did not serve on that jury.
0: My favorite was George Carlin. He would say, if you want to get out of a jury, tell them whenever they ask you a question, tell them you could spot sw- guilty people just like that. And you will never serve <laughs> on a jury.
1: i wouldn't mind serving they're just never gonna want me
0: i've served twice and it's actually an interesting experience i just don't want to do it now um (laughs) i don't want to do it again i did it like two years ago i don't want to do it again uh but anyway folks thank you so much for listening and i don't ask this a lot but if you haven't subscribed to either the youtubes or the twitches or the podcasts Uh, just throw a little scripture our way. You know, we like those numbers going up. So uh, that's all. Just going to ask you that. I'm (laughs) subscribed. Son of a bitch. God damn it, we're losing the left and right. But, uh, yeah, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us tonight. It was a lot of fun. My uh, pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Folks, we'll see you uh, on Thursday and then next Tuesday. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye.
3: And if you, if you got some spare change, I'm Maybe. Going to be about Tree City.
1: May the pan creator bless your souls and <laughs> the cracking in the depths of space not devour them.